the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Strike up the band. Yeah, let's start the show off on a happy note. Uh, Maybe you're driving home after a hard day at work and feeling pretty good about yourself and the money you earned. Okay, maybe that doesn't make you feel good unless you're a Democrat. But uh, listen to this. Who can take your money? make you feel good huh just worked all day and know that the government's taking it a lot a good chunk of it and wasting it somewhere anyway when we come back we're going to hear from a guy who was at fox news from the beginning and he's going to talk about how he thinks the news that tucker carlson has interviewed vladimir putin is playing in newsrooms around the country and in our second half hour we're going to talk about well rachel levine bud light And bowling, not necessarily in that order. Stick around. Heard that uh, Tucker Carlson went to Russia, interviewed Vladimir Putin, or maybe you've seen the 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 glow in the sky from millions of liberals setting their hair on fire. Imagine what it's going to be like when the interview actually drops. Uh, Ken Lacourt should have a pretty good idea how this is playing in newsrooms around the internet and around just the television world. He joined Fox News at the beginning and was a longtime producer there. You can find him on Substack and YouTube at Ken LaCourte, L-A-C-O-R-T-E. And, Ken, thanks for coming on again. So, he's a traitor. No, uh, th- that's what all- okay, you want to start with that? <laughs> yeah, that's what all the news stories said. I, I figured, I don't know, maybe, maybe he was. Yeah. Um, you know, so, of course, they uh, their panties are in a twist. They are going crazy. They are literally saying those those words out there that even mm-hmm. even talking to Putin is is doing his bidding and whatnot. You know, there has been a narrative. You know, I remember the good old days where Republicans didn't like Russians and Democrats were like, eh, they're not really that bad. I mean, that was 
that was most of our life, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, but it, it changed, um, you know, it changed with the, the Russian meddling around in U.S. elections that from the Democratic point of view, uh, uh, you know, helped, helped get or maybe was the deciding factor in Trump becoming President Trump. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget after that election, you know, when a party loses an election, they kind of thrash about looking for the reason. Was it low turnout? Was it abortion? Was it that? You know, you always have those things. And we literally saw them move three times in, in, in the, the days right after Trump was nominated. The first was, well, I guess half of America is racist, you know, like, like that's what he was campaigning on. They tried that for a little bit, and then I think they said, you know, maybe calling half of America racist isn't, isn't the smartest strategy to move forward. Then there was a, well, it was all James Comey. You know, he, he, he spent so much time talking about Hillary's servers, and then he let her off, and then he did this. It was James Comey, James Comey, and nobody bought that. And then the other one that was equally as silly was, was Russiagate. Um, you know, there were allegations that, you know, as they turned out, were, were really came from a, a Hillary Clinton-sponsored uh, uh, research paper that they called the Steele dossier that allowed the, that allowed the um, you know, the FBI to start investigations. And, you know, that, that gave us two years of, of Russiagate. But at that point, it really did solidify for, 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 you know, almost half of this country that the Russians got him elected. Now, when you look at it, it's like they put like $200,000 into, into Facebook memes that were as dumb as anything else that, that, you know, they would certainly love to meddle in our, in our elections and, and decide who our, our next president was going to be. But, you know, it was, you don't like them doing it, but it was silly stuff. But that said, that's the narrative, narrative that took hold. And, of course, Trump didn't help by saying, you know, hey, Russia, release her email. Boy, I have a copy of them. Let's see. Yeah. So there's been this narrative that Republicans love Putin. And, and um, you know, you can look at the polling. There's, there are maybe like 5% more likely to dislike him than, than Democrats, but it's still the overwhelming majority of Americans, you know, kind of understand that, that Russia is somewhere between an adversary and an opponent. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and they, they like to do a lot of things in the world that we don't like to do. But this fits perfectly with that narrative. Tucker Carlson has, uh, has always been kind of an America first guy. He, he's not big on, on, on United States getting involved in any wars and including the Ukraine war. And, and again, the, you know, I never saw Democrats be more wanting to jump into war than when, when, you know, when Putin, you know, illegally and horrifically invaded Ukraine, but that just, you know, first he gave us Trump and now he's invading another country. And, you know, weirdly, you know, you, you saw Ukraine, Ukraine flags popping up all in all in my neighborhood where had that not happened for the election, they would have been like, eh, whatever, it's somewhere on the globe. So so Tucker saying that he will uh, he will interview him is uh, is setting them 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 crazy. I think, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. It's It's always tricky interviewing interviewing somebody like that, you know, some people will only be happy if, if Tucker spits on them and says, you're murdering thousands of people in Ukraine and how could you do this and how could you do that? You know, from Tucker's point of view of somebody who doesn't think the United States should be that involved in, in, in that conflict there and, and thinks that, that, you know, United States should be less involved overall on the globe. And quite frankly, I disagree with him on that, but it's nice to hear that point of view. Um, you know, I find we usually make big mistakes when nobody has the oppose, opposing point of view. So actually to hear 
the voice of, of Putin and have hopefully interesting questions might give us some insight into him. And how is that not great? How is that not good for every American? I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah. And just as a as, as an aside here, I don't know if you've seen it. There's a, there's a guy named um, Kennan, K-E-N-N-A-N. I forget his first name. I saw I, I talked about it on the air here yesterday. Um, uh, he said he and he's he was considered a guru and a an expert on the um, di- dissolution of the Soviet Union and how, how helping to make it come about and then what to do afterwards. He died uh, quite a few years ago, but he was interviewed. Um, I don't know. I it was, it was, it's been a while, and they asked him. He predicted what's happening now. They they asked him about uh, uh, going after uh, about about um, letting Ukraine into NATO, and mm-hmm. he said, "If you let those Eastern uh, the Eastern European countries into NATO, and they start piling up on the Russian border, you're going to get yourself another Cold War." And he said, "We promised." Uh, I think it was first Boris Yeltsin, but we we promised Putin we would that this would not happen. And I, since since I read this yesterday, I'm hoping that Tucker asks him about this because it's a completely different story from what we've been told, and it puts uh, it it kind of changes my opinion of what Putin did. I think the United States and European countries they. Uh, they lied to him, and they, well, I shouldn't say they lied. They broke the promise to him, and he was left with no other choice but to do what he did. I, I don't know if that's what's going to come out on this, but this that, to me, is what I think is going to be Putin's side of the story. But this guy said it 20 you know, years ago, not not two weeks ago. Yeah. Look, I forget the, I forget the specifics of that. Because I, I read this and, and heard some people using that as something when the when the war was first starting off, um, um, it, it is not as, as cut and dried as as I think that. Oh that no, nothing it is. Just, it just made it sound like, it, and and I don't buy the whole notion that that uh, well you know he's got NATO on the border so therefore he needs to invade a country. I, I, you know that 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 doesn't that doesn't buy buy me. And and Russia has a a you know multi hundred year history of getting big, getting powerful, trying to become a larger empire mm-hmm. and taking over other places. And then, you know, oh, you know, we don't know how to grow potatoes or something happens and, and, and they have a contraction because they've overreached to just like the Soviet Union was an overreach of what they did. So I'm not quite sure how much um, import I put into somebody said that certain things wouldn't happen. I mean, um, you know, Putin went in because he because he assumed that that nobody was going to do anything because the last time he went and invaded a country, which was just a handful of years earlier under Obama, he you know had his had his soldiers take off their patches off their uniforms and just walk in and and the country was like all right well you're here we might as well you know we don't really care that much I think he expected that exact same thing to happen in Ukraine he was told by his yeah. advisors they're drunks they're they're, uh, you know, they're, 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 they have all sorts of problems and they, they kind of like us. We'll go in there. We'll do this. And, and, you know, he got himself stuck in a quagmire. So, yeah, I, I also I think, I also think that the other side of this, uh, another part of the story that's not being told enough. We had a guy on the show here before there was even any mention of any kind of a war in Ukraine. It was three years ago. Um, uh, it was when the, it was the, uh, uh, right around the time of the fall of Afghanistan. 
and um, he was a government contractor, was over there teaching people uh, explosives. He's a local guy, and he's also an expert on human trafficking. He, he probably, as we're speaking now, is in some country chasing down some kids who have been human trafficked. Um, and he said, three years ago, he said to me, Ukraine, and this is before there was any, people weren't were even talking much about Ukraine. He said, Ukraine is the most corrupt country in Europe, and it's the nexus in Europe for human trafficking. So everybody needs to keep that in mind, too, that Ukraine isn't, um, isn't Hungary in 1956. You know what I mean? Uh, being, being run over by the communists. You know, the other thing, though, is, is in this hyper-partisan atmosphere, I've never heard Republicans be this anti-war. No, <laughs> it's just true. And and if this was happening under Republican administration, Republicans would be like, you know, they'd be hardcore on it. And they'd oh, be, you know, they, they, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be finding for the little little little, you know, the little things like that. They would they would say, you know, they would have turned it into something different. But yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the world we live in these days, isn't it? Well, yeah, that, but it'll be interesting to see what comes out in the interview. But what I what I also wanted to talk to you about was just the media aspect of this. Should people in the TV news business be mad at Tucker Carlson or jealous? Um, if the people in the, in the news business were actually trying to be news people and trying to present you uh, an overview of what's happening in the world, they should be a little jealous that he got it, and they should be happy that it's happening. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, they, but, think but we know that's not the case. But, right. you know, what, what we know is that most of the people in the mainstream news business right now are cheerleading and trying to make America look the way they think it should look. And in that instance, they're going to be mad <laughs> because, because people will watch this. They will call Tucker a, a you know, a, I don't, I guess communist is even, is even too, you know, they'll call him a Putin apologist and a stooge and all of that. And, you know, they expect those names to drag him down and to, and to hurt him. And what'll happen is he'll get more popular on that. A lot of people will say, you know what, maybe I'll just watch this instead of listening how, you know, the New Yorker says he's a horrible person for, for having this discussion. It'll probably help Tucker. It'll be a look. It's a great get as a journalist. That's I mean, a, that was that's my next question. That was the word I was going to yeah. use. Didn't landing someone like this used to be known as a great get? G E T. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like that's you know talking. You know, however you however good or well, let's just say however ill and evil you think that guy may be. You know, he's the leader of one of the most you know most powerful countries on the world, or at least, you know, and yeah. probably third, let's say. And yeah, no, that's a great, great get. You used to be able, you used to, you're absolutely right. It's just, it's kind of mind boggling to, to see them all, you know, saying the opposite right now that they should never talk to him. He's just doing his PR. Okay. Well, w- would a good boss be asking his people in the newsroom, why someone from the competition got a get like him and they didn't? A good boss who who believed that absolutely would be saying that. Yeah. Do I think that they're saying that in the New York Times, in the New York Times newsroom? No, they're probably tut tutting as to saying, "All right, how can the world have gotten so bad where Republicans like Tucker Carlson are actually colluding with the enemy?" They're probably having that conversation now because they've lost their marbles and they've lost their <laughs> no, they've they've got their marbles. They lost their 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 ethics and their their north star. Uh, if Mike Wallace were still around, think he'd be chasing Putin? Oh, everybody! I mean, you know, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that get? I mean, look, it's funny. It's like these same people who are doing this are like when somebody then says, "Oh, we just 
interviewed Jeffrey Dahmer before they executed him. They're like, oh, oh, great. You know, it's yeah. like we can ex- we can we can look at murders. We can we can you know tout for two weeks the Charlie Manson interview on ABC. We can do all of that, but you can't talk to that guy over there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's uh, we're, we're, when you think about it, it's a little bit awkward. We're talking to Ken Lacourt. That's uh, L A C O R T E. You can find him at YouTube and on Substack. His stuff is really good. That's why I like having him on here. Um, and, and he used to work for Fox and worked for him for a long time as a producer. So, um, should Tucker go live in prime time with this when he decides to drop the interview? And should um, it be edited or just run as, as a, you know, one, two hour interview? I would probably run it as a full thing. I don't think you do live when you're there. You probably, you probably want to get out of the country first. No, no, I, I mean, I, he's already done the yeah. interview. I, I mean, should he oh, like host it, it live? Did, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. Um, um, you know, depending on, I guess, how long that went, but I mean, you know, certainly I, if I were him, I would be get trying to get multiple bites out of the apple. I'd be teasing it with, with some one minute clips, two minute clips. You know, you hope that, that, uh, that, that there was something newsworthy that we didn't know in that, that you try to, you try to get out there first to build up a little anticipation. He did a good job of doing a, you know, a three minute, talk from Russia saying, hey, I'm in Russia, I'm going to interview Putin, and here's why I'm doing it, here are the dangers of doing that, because it is dangerous. I mean, in the sense that if he asks too fluffy, you know, if, if he turns into, um, who was the guy on CNN for years, oh, Larry King, you know, yeah. if he turns into Larry King and it's like, you know, Mr. Putin, uh, what, 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 kind of, what kind of breakfast do you eat? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. if, it was a, if it's a soft, really thing like that. Or Barbara then, Waters uh, asking him what kind of tree he would be. Something. <laughs> And she, and she and interviewed you know, look, him, by I was, the way. I, I'm actually, you know, I mean, there is a there is a place for the the Larry Kings of the world, yeah. just to say, okay, I'm not going to, to to quiz you and find every part that you think that you've said wrong and dumb in life and go after that, but I'm going to try to understand what makes you think. I mean, I actually think there's a place for that kind of journalism, which is why Joe Rogan, for instance, is so darn popular. He gets a guy on. He doesn't hammer him and try to say, well, you know, in 1996, you said that gays yeah. were, you know, yeah. he actually just kind of wants to hear the guy talk. So, well, but it's a, it's a, it'll be a tricky thing for, for Tucker because Tucker is, um, um, you know, he, he is anti-war, but if he comes off as anti-America, that will be a problem. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a smart guy, so he probably, he will probably do it right. But, you know, interviewing somebody who is, you know, undoubtedly a mild enemy at the very least of the United States and undoubtedly, you know, for whatever reasons, uh, you know, is, is the cause of a whole lot of, of, of death and misery there. Um, but, you know, a lot of Iraqis would have said the same thing about the United States. So so it, it, uh, there's a lot of perspective that you need to think of. Well, I'm out of time. I was going to talk to you about your piece on Substack about why uh, journalists or liberals. Wow. We'll do that another time. I'll we give can, you. You know what? Go ahead. When we do it the next time. They're still going to be liberal. Yeah. Give me. Give me thirty seconds. Why? Um. Um. Well, I don't even know if I want to give it away. Uh, look, oh. The, okay. The, yeah. Let's do it again. Okay. Look, well, it is liberal. There. It is endemic to the systems, and it's. Um. Um. And and there's a few kind of overlapping reasons, both from geography to. To you know, you don't want to stand up in most newsrooms today and say say I'm a Republican, um, but the numbers have been just shockingly low. It is 3.4 percent of people in newsrooms on uh, this is like a 2,000 person poll mm-hmm. identified themselves as that. It was 11 times higher on the Democratic side. So yeah, that's, it's, that's it's fair not and, even uh, it's not even close. That's fair and balanced. 
Hey, um, so people people can find it at Substack, and they, they should read the yep. piece. Ken LaCourt, I really appreciate you always coming on. Thanks. Ah, terrific. Thanks for having me again, John. Okay, we'll be back. Oh, boy. Haven't seen his picture for a while. Haven't seen his mug. When I have seen him, he's been looking really spiffy in his uh, female admiral's uniform. But uh, Dr. Rachel Levine popped up on my screen today in a story at the Daily Wire. And you got to see the picture. Oh, you know, just looking at the picture of this lunatic and thinking that there are people out there who are going to vote for the person who hired him, it's, it's unbelievable. But, the, but the, the story says HHS, and he's second in command there, Health and Human Services, says it only has two pages of scientific evidence backing its support for gender-affirming care. See, uh, Rachel's been out there uh, talking about how uh, wonderful uh, gender-affirming care is for kids, and he says it as though it's like it's like um, just inarguable. Just it's been settled. Don't talk to me about it. Kids, if they think they're when they're when they're young and they're boys and they might be girls, then they should be castrated, and or they should have puberty blockers. All, all the stuff that you you see all the time, and uh, you know from the fanatics. But this guy is second in command in the federal government in health and human services. He's an insane psychiatrist man who thinks he's a woman. And he's being sent out there to advise parents on what the, how they should deal with their kids. That's what we have. So so the Daily Wire does the story, and they find out that, that um, this, this stuff that, Dr. Levine is out there trying to sell. It doesn't. It's not backed up by anything. Um, the the Protect the Public Trust is the name of this organization. It's a nonprofit watchdog. They filed a Freedom of Information Act request for records of scientific evidence, studies, and/or data to support the Assistant Secretary's claim that gender affirming care is medically necessary safe and effective for trans and non-binary youth, as well as for records of surveys of medical professionals regarding the value and importance of gender-affirming care for minor children. And they didn't, the uh, HHS didn't come up with anything. They produced a two-page uh, pile of BS, just cherry-picking things, the, the kind of things that, that uh, Dr. Levine says. Uh, everywhere he goes, he says... Um, that he that he makes unequivocal statements regarding the medical necessity, safety, and effectiveness of gender affirming care, based entirely upon a single two-page document. And um, this again, we're in an election year. If I were, if I were the Republicans, I would have this guy's hideous face up on billboards all over everywhere. Just uh, saying, you you want f- four more years of this? This man telling you how to raise your kids and what you should do with your kids? This, to me, and I've said it here before, but um, there are lots of issues out there, starting with what we just talked about uh, a 
few minutes on their last segment, you know, Russia, Ukraine, and all that stuff, uh, the border, which is stuff going on with that today. Um, those are all great issues, but if you ask me, nothing separates the two more than a picture of Dr. Rachel Levine. And all you do is you say, four more years with a question mark. Or I, I guess it would be better, four more years of this with a question mark. This picture of him is just so, again, it's, it's the old um, the coma test that I always mention. If you woke up from a coma, being in a coma for 10 years, and somebody showed you this picture of this man with his hideous hair, and they said, oh, yeah, he's second in command at the Health and Human Services, and um, he is going, he's a, he's a man, but he thinks he's a woman, and he's a psychiatrist, and we're going to send him out uh, to, well, well, they are sending him out to tell you, parents what to do with their kids. Uh, this is this is where we are, and if you want to vote for four more years of that, just vote for a Democrat or vote for the Democrats because that that's what you're going to get. So it's there he is, Rachel Levine, back in the news again, and I the stuff that he says that he says that um, all this gender affirming care improves the mental health and overall well-being of gender-diverse children. First of all, 20 minutes ago, nobody ever heard of gender-diverse children. Nobody knew what that was. Now we have the second-in-command at the Health and Human Services out there selling this stuff. And again, he's a, he's a psychiatrist. Actually, he's a, he's a pediatric psychiatrist. And I remember it's about almost exactly three years ago, right now, that he... First, was it three years ago? 2021. Yeah. When he first showed up with, uh, Josh, uh, with, uh, with the governor and, and he showed, he showed up for a, uh, for a press conference to talk about COVID. And he popped up and standing next to the governor there and he, Tom Wolf, and he, I said to, uh, our producer at the time, I said, that's not a woman. That's a man. As my dad used to say about people who wore a bad toupee, He'd say you could spot it from a passing train. Well, you could spot that Rachel Levine was not Rachel from a passing train at the time. And he's been around now for three years, and, of course, he's promoted. So he's he's now representing the federal government. So just that's something that everybody should keep in mind. And if you really want to make it simple for the election coming up, you want four more years of that, looking at a giant billboard of him should be, I don't know, up on the, the parkways, both the parkway east and wh- wherever you can get a billboard. His face, four more years of this with a question mark. That's all you need. Nothing else if you're a Republicans. They won't be smart enough to do that. They won't take my advice on that. So here's something else. Uh, speaking of, I guess it's kind of along the same lines, Bud Light. Uh, Bud Light is uh, going to spend 14 million dollars for an ad in the Super Bowl. And um, I, th- I I was thinking about it when I heard the story, and I thought, you know, and by, and I'll tell you in a minute what Donald Trump said about it, because that, that also is out there in the news. But that's why I uh, thought, to, I, I just thought it was, I just think it's time to let him up. 
let let Anheuser Busch up, let Bud Light up. They paid enough of a price for having Dylan Mulvaney, one of the most nauseating people on the planet, uh, involved in an ad. Um, they did that and they paid a big price. Here's here's a little uh, number for the price that they paid. In the first two weeks of 2024, Bud Light accounted for 7.4% of retail beer sales. Okay, 7.4%. A year ago, it was 28.9%. And that's a pretty big drop-off in sales there. So they've got a 60-second ad they're going to do, and it's going to cost them $14 million dollars and here's what uh, Donald Trump said about it. And Donald Trump, by the way, is taking some heat for this. He said the Bud Light ad was a mistake of epic proportions. Donald Trump post he posted it on Truth uh, Social yesterday. But Anheuser Busch is a great American brand that perhaps deserves a second chance. He goes on to say that they spend seven hundred million dollars a year with our great farmers. They employ sixty five thousand Americans, of which fifteen hundred are veterans. Um, so I think Trump's right, and I think it, I think it took some guts for him to come out and uh, be uh, and, and, and try to stand up for, for Bud, because it is a great American brand. It's a Budweiser. This Bud's for you. Who, who, didn't, who doesn't like Budweiser? Even if you don't like the beer, you like the horses, you like everything about Budweiser. Um, and, boy, they paid a heavy price since they put Dylan Mulvaney which wasn't even a real ad, but they, they made the mistake of trying to associate with Dylan Mulvaney. And by the way, um, all the people responsible for that have been fired. They're gone, as far as I know. So Bud Light knows they made a mistake. Now, what they need to do is an ad that says, we messed up. We are sorry. They don't have to say why. They don't have to say we shouldn't have put a a, a man pretending he's a woman in an ad. Just say, we screwed up, and uh, we paid the price, and we want you back. And then whatever their message is after that, that's fine. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I guess if you're, allowed, if you're allowed to give beer away, but do something that uh, just to put this behind them. But I, I agree with Donald Trump. I, I think that it's time that uh, people just forgot about it. And if you like Bud Light, go buy a Bud. I don't drink beer, so it doesn't matter to me. I, I don't care who they have promoting it. It's not going to have any effect on whether I drink it because I don't drink beer. So, uh, but if you're a Bud Light, if you were a Bud Light drinker, cut them a break. It's I think it's about time, don't you? Um, so, I guess I'll I can take a break here, Mike. Uh, all right. Yeah, let me take a break now. I got to come back. I want to play you a good soundbite from a guy named uh, Glenn Laurie about equity. He's a black uh, professor at Brown University, and it ties in well with another story about the uh, SATs and the ACTs. I'll be right back. Well, along the uh, same lines as um, of um, Dr. Rachel Levine. Before we move on to something else here. Uh, we had a guy from Rebel News up in Canada talk about this actually a week or so ago, but it's um, it's making uh, news around North America now. Uh, female college volleyball match had five 
biological males. I don't like when the stories um, use that term, biological males. They're men, okay? It was dominated by five men. Uh, they played the entire game, and there were some women who were, had to go to the bench because these men were playing, and uh, there were two major head injuries to uh, female athletes. This was in the Ontario Colleges Athletic Association up in Canada. These uh, transgender athletes are men. They haven't had any gender-affirming hormone therapy or surgical removal. And uh, if you saw the pictures of these guys, and they are guys, they look, a couple of them look like linebackers. And, of course, the women are on the bench. They're, they're told to go to the bench. There's a video, and you see the women over there on the bench. And I have zero sympathy for them because they're putting up with it. They sh- there's no way that, that a match should be a female, a women's volleyball match should be played if it includes five men because it's not a, a women's volleyball match anymore. And if they put up with it, I've been saying this since day one, if they put up with it, they show up and they they allow the game to go on and they play with or against these men they deserve. Well, I don't deserve everything they get, but I, they don't. Have, I don't have any sympathy for them because the simple solution is they play, we leave. Problem solved. Over. Done. If they all do it, you can't have a few of them do it. They all have to do it, and that ends the problem immediately. People will t- say to me, "Well, what, what about their scholarships? They lose their scholarships." No, it only works if every single woman who shows up for this volleyball match sees the men and says, we're not playing. Of course, the problem here is that there are men on both teams. So it becomes an issue of playing with men. You shouldn't agree to play with men on your women's team either. Once you do that, you've lost the argument. So when there's five of them playing, what are you going to do? How are you going to fix it? If If there's two on one team and three on the other, the only way to do it is when the two show up to play on the team with you, you say, they play, we walk, and everybody, all the girls walk, and fathers, there should be there should be an organization of fathers standing up for these women, saying, we are all together, none of our daughters are setting foot on the volleyball court if those two guys show up to play, with or against them. Until that happens, it's really, it's really, uh, there's really no reason to have any sympathy for them. Okay, so, um, I want to tell you about this. SATs are back. Now, Dartmouth uh, is the first Ivy League school to reverse course after pledging to remove standardized test requirements. Now, other league, uh, other Ivy League schools are reevaluating the requirement, and they're going to be, uh, at, they're also going to be using them. But uh, Dartmouth is the first to reinstate standardized tests. They'll go into effect for the 2029 applicants. That seems like a long time away, five years. But they paused the testing requirement during the pandemic and fully adopted a test-optional policy uh, for people applying in 2025, 26, and 27. And now there was, there, that was a, there was a growing push to remove the requirement. Well, guess what? They, the school, this is an Ivy League school, a lot of really smart people, okay? They did a study see if, to see if you're shocked by what they found. They found that test scores indicated academic performance uh, and and could predict first-year success in a way that high school grades and other non-test factors couldn't determine. Imagine that. Isn't that kind of the reason for 
having the test? Isn't that why they did it? And the other uh, Ivy League schools got together and studied it. You know, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, they discover the same thing. These standardized tests are a better predictor than inflated grades that you might get from a high school. Amazing, huh, that they found that out. And they also a survey found out that since the Supreme Court shut down affirmative action uh, and schools started reassessing the role of standardized tests, uh, a Pew Research study found that 85% of Americans believed standardized tests should contribute to the process of determining college acceptance. What a concept, huh? Well, now I want to play for you a, a soundbite on equity. This is um, this is a guy named Glenn Lowry. He's black. He's also a professor at Brown University, and he's talking about equity. Listen. Finally, I want to say e- equity is not equality. Equity, and uh, I could name them, but I won't. The writers uh, in the U.S. who are so uh, prominent now in uh, Ibram X. Kendi comes to mind. In, in, in promoting a certain ideology, assert, I see a disparity, I want equity. And by equity, they mean an equal representation. This is not equality. If you use a different standard of assessment in order to achieve equity, you've just patronized me. You've just communicated tacitly that you don't think I'm capable of performing according to the objective criteria of assessment as well as anybody else. I am now your client. I am now a ward. I go or come by your leave. This argument that we blacks must be made equal and you have to open up the doors and let us in, never mind that our test scores are not as great, is pathetic. It's a surrender of dignity. You will not be equal at the end of that argument, even if you get what you ask for. There's no substitute for earning the respect of your peers. If they grant it to you out of guilt or pity, they have just reduced you, not elevated you. I don't know. That sounds pretty smart to me. That's uh, Glenn Lowry, Brown University. You would think that everybody would agree with that, but uh, liberals will not. Um, And... I'm sure there are some people out there already who are upset about the uh, the standardized tests coming back. They can't have that. They wouldn't want to have a blind test to determine who's qualified and who's not. Unbelievably stupid. Higher learn high, institutions of higher learning. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.